very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello everyone, welcome to another great episode of Growing Dentist. Today I'm excited to have Bob. Bob is somebody I have known for a long time, Mr. Bob Spiel. At least I think four years, Bob? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I first met Bob at ADMC, which is a group of um, dental consultants and coaches. And um, we get together once a year and, you know, we keep in touch throughout the year through Facebook and other means. There's an interesting group of people who are very intrigued by the idea of helping, you know, dentists grow. And uh, Bob is somebody I've respected a lot. And I know you're coming out with a new book, so I figured might be a great time to talk to you about what did you learn in the last 10 years, you know, working with dentists and perhaps, you know, decades before that, you know, helping uh, people in the healthcare business. So maybe you can start by kind of introducing yourself and giving us a little bit bio, a little bit of a bio about yourself and we'll get started. Love to, Nair. Yes, thank you very much. And it, it's really awesome to be with you and I appreciate the chance to, to be with you and your audience. Just to give you a a 60-second rendition of, of why I'm here. Uh, I am in dentistry because I love it. It is one of the greatest industries, I think, in the entire world. It's the perfect small business. And my path here actually was through medicine. I was a hospital and surgical center CEO before I got into consulting. And my motivation to get in consulting came from two words, you're fired. That so was a tough to swallow. Uh, yep. As a hospital and surgical center CEO, I was let go. Yeah. After right. I took two businesses from near bankruptcy to profitability. And, you know, those that are not in medicine may not understand, but the half-life of a medical administrator is pretty short. Right. But it was one of the best things that ever happened because it forced me to really question why I'm here, what I'm all about, and how do I want to contribute to the world. And instead of just getting a paycheck, um, some dear friends taught me, Bob, the way that you make a living is by working for yourself. So I, I went and started 10 years ago consulting in medicine and found that it was a really unfulfilling kind of environment to be in. The medical model is very one-dimensional. It's all about volume, billing, and collections, customer service, and leadership and teamwork and things like that should matter, but sadly, they receive a lot of resistance. While in dentistry, because of the nature and makeup that this is an emotional uh, purchase decision, service matters, communication matters, the best dental teams are led by the best dental leaders. And the beautiful thing is, the principles that, that I, I love, I love to teach, I love to help others find and then live, work in dentistry and they make money. Um, so that's why I'm here and part of writing the book, Flip Your Focus, Igniting People, Profits and Performance Through Upside Down Leadership is wanting to take lessons there and that I'd learned from mentors through my whole career and have experienced myself and put them in easily digestible form to start to help emerging leaders find the answers to questions that Maybe they didn't know that they even had, but many of them find themselves in, in, at a time when they start to say, you know what, 
I didn't, I, I didn't know this is what it was going to be like. I want my life back. There's got to be another way. Right. And to be honest, uh, I'm already a fan because I got fired four times in a row, and I guess you only got fired once. <laughs> well, no, that's that's great. You got fired four times in a row. I got fired twice in a row. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and yeah. finally, we got and, the courage to say enough and do something. On yeah, it was that. like there, there's, there's, there's got to be a lesson in here from the universe about something right. that I'm doing wrong. And right. for me, it was finally the realization when I work with somebody, man, there are great things we can do together. But when I work for somebody, I get fired. Right. Because I'm too independent of a thinker, and that's probably your same situation. Yeah, exactly. I think once I got into middle management, I just couldn't, like, I, I don't do a job. I do something I love. And when you do something you love, mm-hmm. you speak your mind, and it just sometimes yes. doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, it took me four times to get the message that God is trying to tell me something. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he finally kicked me through this consulting door with cowboy boots on and said, you're not going back. Right. Uh, yeah, it takes a while. Sometimes we, we just don't listen. Right. Uh, obviously, I didn't. Um, because, you know, the paycheck is really alluring. Uh, it is. It's, it's a drug, frankly. Right. Um, and you get hooked on it and suddenly begin to just limit your thinking in terms of what's possible. Right. Once you go into business for yourself, all of a sudden the world is, is this unlimited, abundant place where God can take you in just so many directions to fulfill the reason that you're here. Right. Exactly. And this is the other thing I learned, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, is that mm-hmm. you know, success is a byproduct. It's never really the destination or the end. Usually, if you look at very successful people like Steve Jobs, they loved mm-hmm. what they did. They were, just, they were trying to do what they enjoyed. I mean, yeah, of course, they became very successful, but that's not what woke them up every morning and got them so passionate, right? It's just, you know, it's, it's different. So uh, let me just jump into the, the title of your book, Flip. Yeah. Your focus. What do you mm-hmm. mean by that? It's very intriguing. I would love to hear what you mean by flip your focus. In a nutshell, what flip your focus means is that if we're to approach leading, team building, and life from a positive perspective, instead of following the traditional model, for instance, the model, traditional model of a leader, which looks like a pyramid, And everybody in that organization is there to see that the person at the top, him or her, succeeds. Right. That only goes so far. It creates resentment. It creates resistance. And, you know, there are statistics today that say that 70% of Americans are disengaged in their jobs. And 17% of Americans are actively sabotaging the place they work. It's because they're working under that traditional model and people don't like to be told what to do. Right. Flipping your focus means you flip your entire orientation, flip your paradigm as a, as a leader, to suddenly it's not about making the person at the top succeed, it's about the person at the top seeing that his or her team succeeds. Right. And when that flip happens, when that mental 
change or shift occurs, all of a sudden you realize as a leader that your job is to work yourself out of a job. And it's not about being the chief everything officer. It's about being the chief empowerment officer. And so the book then describes that model through some things that I've learned on my own and a lot of teaching from some very, very wonderful mentors and tries to take the reader through the process of what does it mean to flip your focus? How do you identify limiting beliefs that keep you from doing so? How do you get rid of the blame game? And then proceed to act and think like a leader under this frame of reference so that your team then becomes your hands, which frees you up then as a leader to be able to do the things that only you can do. It's interesting. Like um, I had some aha moments recently, and I realized that my best customers have three mindsets. They Mm -hmm. appreciate others and themselves. So when you do something good, they thank you genuinely, right? They they mean it. They they tell you something mm-hmm. specific. And even when you do something bad, they they still try to find something positive, you know, while they're delivering that bad news or that constructive feedback. Second thing is they they are growth oriented, right? They, they see the glass as half full. They are not trying to point the finger and say, oh, it's so and so's fault. They're trying to say, hey, it's half full. How do I make it even mm-hmm. more full, right? It's a totally mm-hmm. different same glass. They're just seeing it differently. And finally, they are team players, meaning they realize they can't be everything and they just find great people and they take the time yeah. to find them and then they help them blossom. So even with us, you know, we do marketing, you know, they, they, they're really awesome to work with. They, they listen to us because their thinking is, I took the time to find you. Now I need to listen to you in the area of your expertise and, you know, do what I need to do on my side to support you, right? So. It's interesting. In the old days, I wouldn't. I, I didn't think like this, and I was trying to be a hero to everybody. And I realized, you know, life is too short, and it's almost like changing the way you think. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because you said something interesting, which is mindset. And I would love to kind of hear you talk about, you know, mindsets. As in, you know, what are some of the wrong mindsets you see, and and what are some of the right mindsets, and how do you help somebody? You know, because I assume that's where it kind of starts, right? Maybe not the only thing, but one of the key things that's key to flipping your focus. Yeah, well, it it is very much a mindset. And it's, A, having the humility. And I use that word decidedly, Naren, because humility is the seedbed of greatness. It, it it's that point where we suddenly realize that we don't have the answers that we need. We don't have all the answers for sure, but the power in life comes from asking the right questions right? and continue to focus on what those questions are and then seeking out those answers. So starting from a humble mindset and then Realizing that what got you there won't keep you there. That one of the biggest mistakes I see small business owners make is that early on, they were very much in control of everything because it was a small, small business. One or two people, maybe three, four, then six, then ten. Um, but but you reach a break point or, or that tipping point 
where suddenly if it continues to, to be the same through you in every way, shape, and form, then like one of my clients who found himself working 16-hour days, had a heart condition, was never home, you, you literally reach a breaking point to say, you know what, my business is going to plateau or begin to literally nosedive, but everything else around me is going to do the same thing. Um, for him, it was an interesting process, Naren, because he was a client for probably a year and a half that I was trying to, to help him learn that you can experience letting go while not losing control. Right. And we finally reached this break point where it just wasn't clicking and wasn't clicking because, you know, a mindset that he had was self-defeating was this whole idea of perfectionism. And that it has to be perfect, it has to come through me, and nobody can do it better than I can. Right. Um, so common in dentistry that that mindset is pervasive, but it's so self-limiting um, because perfection can never be attained. Excellence can be, but excellence permits for mistakes. It, it doesn't view the glass as half empty. It is abundant, and it is appreciative. Well, finally, with this client, one day when we were in a coaching session, I, I just said to him, I want you to sit on your hands right now, and now close your eyes. And I said, Mike, I want you to imagine that you're on your way home, and all of a sudden, this car comes right in front of you. You T-bone it going about 45 miles an hour, and you break both arms. Now wake up. Open your eyes. You have to save your business by Monday morning. How do you make your team your hands? All right. Because you have no hands. And for the next hour and a half, he shifted his focus completely. He flipped it. Suddenly he could see, and I made him sit on his hands this whole time. And and we all of a sudden started dialoguing and whiteboarding all these things that we'd have to do by Monday to see that his practice would succeed. Well, here's the amazing news. That from that breakthrough discovery moment, the next year he grew 40% in his business. He got home. He was working eight to 10 hour days. He's hired two new associates. He's happy. He's gone on vacation. He's part of a leadership group in his industry. His life is great. His business is great. And his people love working there. Right. So that limiting mindset of I, I I have to do it perfect, and only I can be perfect. Nobody else can. To mm-hmm. I am an enabler. I am here to make my people grow and my people um, succeed. By doing that, I grow because they are growing. It's almost like 
standing on the shoulders of giants. So if my people become giants, then just by, by mm-hmm. default as their leader, I become a giant too. And it's so Correct. easy. Yeah. Right? Because you only have, like you said, you know, even though he was working like crazy, he only had 16 hours in a day. You know, hey, he couldn't mm-hmm. work more than 16 hours because he would collapse. Yeah. And yes, he probably didn't have a great personal life and whatnot because, you know, if I was married to somebody, you know, who was working 16 hours, I'm sure that's not going to be fun. I mean, kids probably won't even know their dad. So, what's They didn't the know their dad right? very much. No, yeah, exactly. His wife was frustrated. His kids were frustrated. He was frustrated because right. he felt this sense of obligation, but he had to keep the business going, but he was moving in this mode of fear. Right. And, and the fear drove him, cons- you know, continually. But it also drove him to a point of health breakdowns and a business that had plateaued. Now he approaches life and his business from the sense of hope, because suddenly he's realized it's not about him; it's about them, and it's right. about empowering his team, setting the expectations together, giving them the tools that they need creating this culture of, of, of participation, group decision-making and problem-solving and um, sharing of information so that everybody's bought into what, where they're going and why and how they contribute to that. And then with a lot of appreciation on top of it. Because um, ultimately, you know, pay, as, as you know as a business owner, only does so much. It, it, it's a hygiene factor is the way it described in business school. You can never give enough, um, but the goal is to, to, to give what's fair and what meets the market and meets their needs. But the thing that really fuels the human heart is not money. It's those thank yous. Like you, you said, you've got clients that, that think abundantly and think appreciatively and are willing to listen. Um, the same thing happens as a leader. If, if you can realize that those simple acts can suddenly transform your group and turn a, a bunch of employees into a team. Uh, man, it's powerful stuff. And, and the great thing is, Darren, once a leader has experienced that, they are never, ever going to go back to the old command and control model, unless maybe the practice is on fire. All right? But other than that, um, it's all about your people, helping them right. grow, helping them become their best, because when they do, and suddenly how it reflects on you is, oh my goodness, exponentially greater. Right. More fulfilling and um, more rewarding in both personal and financial ways. You know, you kind of uh, got my mind working and just I, I realized something. It's not just only about the team members. It's also about your clients, right? Instead of you selling to them, you help them achieve their dreams. Just like you're helping your team achieve their dreams. You're helping your team reach their potential. And the same thing with clients, right? Because when you try to mm-hmm. sell them something, you know, it's not about them. It's about you. It never works. When you help your team achieve their dreams, now it's about the, no, sorry, the clients. Then it's about them. Yeah. I want a yeah. beautiful smile. I want to be healthy with my mouth, you know. And and mm-hmm. and you're just, just doing your part in helping people be all they can be, whether it's a team member or it's kind of interesting. That's flipping your focus from me to them. Mm-hmm. And and your role as a leader is literally being a facilitator. Right. Right. Yeah, I I I've, I coined a phrase called transfacilitative leadership, which is a 
mouthful, but it's really what the flipped model is. You are a facilitator. You're a catalyst. Your job is to help your team succeed by setting vision and direction and pace and then giving the rest to them. As one of my dear bosses and mentors said, Bob, in a business, create an environment of trust. Because with trust, you're building on a firm foundation. Without it, you're building on sand. Then clarify the expectations so people know where they're going and why and how they fit. Then make sure they've got the tools they need to succeed. And and Naren, on this beautiful spring morning in Northern California, as he laid this out before me, this dear friend of mine then leaned back in his chair and said with a smile on his face, then, Bob, you get out of the way. Can you repeat just what you just told me again? Because I want to just sure. listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Number one, create an environment of trust. <clears throat> because trust is a, a foundation that all effective human relationships are built on. So that means be trustworthy. Keep your word. Keep your promises. Um, don't triangulate. You know, all these different things that establish trust in a relationship that build trust in a team. Then clarify the expectations. Let your team know where they're going and why, how they fit with that. My book talks more about that using a thing called roles, goals, and expectations and metrics. But once you've done that, then make sure you've got the right tools and the right training, that, that, that they have what they need to succeed. And then finally get out of the way. Right. Tell me more about getting out of the way. What do you mean by that? Great question. Thank you. Getting out of the way, well, the way I liken it is this, that think of a a business like a living organism. And ultimately, an upside-down leader who's done these things is working on the boundaries of the organization, growing that organization while he's out of the way of his or her people within it, allowing them the freedom to do their jobs, do it well, love what they do, return and report, and and literally be empowered. And I know that's a buzzword, and most people don't understand what it really means, but I, 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 I love this other phrase another consultant used, and forgive me, I didn't remember who it was, but they used the phrase empowered, I am powered. And that's really what it means. You empower people by placing the power within them to do their jobs well, to be in alignment with where you're going, and then to let them do it. Um, so often leaders pull up the flowers to see how the roots are doing. And that becomes self-defeating. I I guess it's this. It's kind of like um, this phrase, think of yourself as a teacher, not as a boss. Right. It's powerful stuff. How did you come to this? I mean, I I bet you went through a lot of trial and error and you know, kind of um, dealing with pain and, you know, personally and uh, in helping others. <clears throat> How did this kind of click to you? Is it something you just 
you from day one? Or? No, thank uh, No, not at all. I mean, I, I grew up with a, a dad who is a 30-year Navy guy. Um, I was at the tail end of his career, but the command and control model was not difficult to see in my family. And I love him. He was an awesome dad uh, and taught me so much. But there was always this kind of sense of, is there another way? Because I, I kind of resent being controlled. Right. In fact, as a teenager, I think most of us will say, I, I really resent being controlled. And right. just as, as, as God and the universe will have it, um, I was really fortunate to come across early in my career some great mentors who, who modeled this type of behavior. And also, candidly, one or two bosses that were the complete opposite. And, and believed in the command model. It was all about them. It was only jump when you're told to do so. But I think what kind of um, cemented the whole thing for me, Naren, was about maybe 10 years ago, um, and this isn't a business topic, but I think it's fully relatable. In the town that we've raised our kids in, this little town of Idaho Falls, Idaho, about 50,000 people, um, my son's high school football team lost 27 games in a row. Two and a half years, they never won one game. Uh, the coach that they had at the time, basically at the end of the, the, the last season that he coached them, railed at these boys and told them what, a lo- what losers they were. They were never going to amount to anything. That he was embarrassed to be their coach, yada, yada, yada. And he got fired, um, which should have happened earlier. But interestingly, a new coach came in and had an entirely different mindset. I interviewed this coach after his first season as being head coach. I interviewed his players as well because what dawned on me was the first game I saw him coach was I couldn't tell who he was. I turned to my wife and I said, Judine, I have no idea who this new head coach is. But the amazing thing was his boys were winning. And in fact, they won all the way to the state championship and were state champs in one year with an 11-1 record. And it wasn't the first time he'd done this. He's actually done it four other times. The guy's name was Darren Owens. And he was phenomenal as a leader. But as I interviewed him and I interviewed the boys, suddenly all the things that I picked up from Jim Faber and Dennis Webb and others just started to fit in place like, okay, in this little laboratory of of a football team, I can now see what this model is. And he used the phrase upside down leadership. It was like, wow, I've never heard that before. And and I loved it. Um, but realized that this model is so effective because it permits team members to finally find within them that leader that's always resided there and then to pull it out of themselves in such a way that not only do they become a team, but they become the highest level of team, which is a team that doesn't 
view themselves as being the most important part of the team. They view themselves as being there for everybody else. Right. And that's when it all kind of clicked. And, you know, um, it was just a real privilege to be able to take these thoughts that I've seen and, and try to try to put it in a book in a digestible way. So emerging leaders and other leaders can finally grab onto something and go, oh, wow, I think I get this now. That's my hope. Um, and, and I'm hoping not overhyping it. You know, you write a book and you always wonder, man, is it as good as you hope it is? But it's certainly taken a lot of great lessons and tried to put them in an easily digestible form. Right. I think what you're making up makes absolute sense. I mean, I've been practicing some of these, but maybe I don't have all the pieces of your model. But I think when I was first starting out in the first uh, in 2004 to 2008, it was all about me and what I wanted and my goals and my numbers and my plans. Mm-hmm. And I realized it never worked. And I always say blame somebody and it's never my fault and try to do it again. And this is me in the first four years as an entrepreneur. Then finally mm-hmm. it dawned on me, you know, where I had nothing to lose. You know, the busy moms, the website we had was about to go under because, you know, the 2008 crash. And mm-hmm. this dentist said, why don't you do my marketing? I said, I have nothing to lose. Let me put all my energy in helping this dentist in Chicago, you know, crush everybody else in Chicago because Chicago is a big city with 10,000 other dentists. So if I can do it there, I can do it anywhere with SEO. And it flipped everything. I didn't have any business plan. I didn't have any goals. I didn't have any anything. I just focused on helping him succeed. And then he helped me tell the story to everybody else. That's it. Mm-hmm. It sounds mm-hmm. so simple, but it's just the upside-down model. You know? Yeah. And um, and since then, I, I don't have plans. I don't have goals. I mean, I, I mean I, I'm maybe at the extreme end, but but usually, you know, every year is better than the last year because I'm mm-hmm. always focused on helping others grow, whether it's my clients or whether it's my team. And uh, mm-hmm. it works. And the other funny thing is you're happy because money never makes you happy, right? I mean, yeah, for two days, you're going to be happy with that new car or that new toy, but third day, you're like bored. Then what? Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Then what? Okay, now that I got it, right. there, there's no sense of satisfaction. Naren, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, very same time frame, 2008, was when I, I jumped into dental consulting. And it was a really tough market to climb right. into. <clears throat> People were scared. Uh, the economy was crashing. And, you know, folks are looking at themselves and going, wow, this used to be easy. Now it's going to get hard. But, again, same, same kind of mindset. How can I serve them? How can I help them succeed? What, what, what do they need to take it to the next level? But one of the biggest discoveries that, that came to me was as I was literally trying to pry my fingers off this idea that I've got to work for somebody else because I'm not good enough to work for myself. I came across a great book from a man named Richard Barrett, a former World Bank economist, who somehow kind of created his own genre around this idea of personal empowerment. And in a book called A Guide to Liberating Your Soul, he shared this one concept which was revolutionary. And that was that all of us come to this world with a mission. 
and his phrase is, it's the mission of your soul. But we've got two competing forces inside, and one is our ego. And our ego is like this petulant little child who's crying out for power and praise and position and money and all the, all the things that we think belong to success. Right. And the more we pay attention to the ego, the other half of us, which he calls our soul, just basically sits dormant. But once we step back and realize that the ego itself can never be satisfied, um, and actually it's, a, it's almost like a mirage, all right? And then suddenly embrace the reason that we're here. Um, and he said, you can always find what that mission is by asking yourself, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? And he said, you'll always see that it has something to do with serving someone else. Right. But when you finally let go of the ego and then embrace that call of your soul, suddenly the universe, God, puts people and things and opportunities in your path that you never would have imagined before. It's like it's been waiting all this time for you finally to come in alignment with why you're really here. And at that moment, just like with you and your doctor friend in Chicago, suddenly, boom, all these resources start to appear. And you no longer have a job. You no longer have a career. You have a calling. And right. work is fun. You know, you don't even work, really. Um, you don't feel like it's work. Most of the time... It's just fun. You, I've never worked harder or longer in my whole life, but I've never felt more fulfilled or I've never had more fun trying to help people catch on that there's another way. Right. You remind me of two things. The famous Bob Dylan song, right? He won a Nobel Prize for Literature, which is we all got to serve somebody. You know, he talks about when a king has to serve somebody, you know, there's nobody in the world who can not serve others and be happy. If you want true happiness, you have to serve someone. And um, the second thing I kind of read in 2008, almost by accident, I was reading Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there's a quote I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said something like, the world is full of people who are grabbing and self-seeking. In that world, the rare individual who helps others get what they want has no competition. It's true. Most people are me, 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 me. So if you are like the person who's about them, you don't have competition, and 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 even you're not even thinking in that. You know, competition in my mind is like a scarcity mindset. For me to win, you have it to is. lose, right? Mm -hmm. And here it's like me helping you, me leveraging who I am and what I'm good at, and helping you, and 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 mm -hmm. and then my team doing that for my patients. So it's, you know, we are all here right. to. Know, serve someone and be the best we can in, in, in being a hero to them at that moment. Yeah. Um, and and uh, what a great, great point. In fact, one thing that I teach my teams and clients I work with is we compete against ourselves. Right. Uh, everybody else really doesn't matter. 
we're grateful that they're out there because they, they, they force us to be better, but we literally compete against ourselves. Right. And our, our yesterday self, right? Yeah, our yesterday self. Exactly right. Yeah. Right. Who we were yesterday to be better tomorrow, but right. not to do it out of this mindset of, you know, have to and expectations and perfection. It's out of uh, this mindset of growth and hope and love. Right. And exactly. and that's why dentistry is so powerful, Naren, because every one of these emotions, every one of these factors work. They make money. They serve people. I mean, when I'm talking to a, a client about a $35,000 treatment plan, you know, the number's great, but the reality is that's a life changer. Right. And, and and I'll often say, you know, in medicine, they do an awful lot to save lives. But in dentistry, you get to change lives every day. Right. And that's really a noble calling. Um, and the best practices run on heart power. If you can find that leader who who sees a vision of this and then begins to truly empower his or her team to become the very best they can be, they play a game no one else even gets. Right. They're playing at such a high level and patients just automatically refer and they auto, and it's not that they automatically accept treatment. There's still communication and things that you have to learn to do, but they're attracted to that type of environment because they feel something there they don't feel in other businesses, other practices. Right. I mean, like Dale Carnegie said, you have no competition. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. And yeah, also you're it's more just... because you, you are making a difference. You are, you know, yes, the, the money, the $35,000 is a side benefit. It's nice, great, but... That's yeah. not what's going to make you happy. What's going to make you happy is that person whose life you changed for the rest of their lives. Correct. Yep. That 35000 is going to go someplace else really quickly. Right. But that person's life who changed will always remember you. Right. And, yeah, money itself is just a byproduct. It's not the mission. Um, yeah. uh, the universe can can reward in ways, but even that reward itself um, is a tool to be used to go do more things exactly, and to go they... serve more people. Right. Yeah. Right. Can you, you know, I, I just, me... just to go ahead and I'll th throw this out if, thought if I can in the end. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're going to say something. No, I, yeah, I was just going to say that that uh, a dear friend of my great grandfather was H.J. Hines, the man who started Hines Ketchup back in the right. 1860s and 70s. Fascinating guy. I wish we had an hour just to talk about him because he was one of the greatest revolutionaries when it came to leading a workforce that the world's ever seen. But he had a, a, a personal uh, set of of kind of rules. And one he got from his mom when he was a little boy. And it was, do all the good that you can in this world. Do not live under yourself. 
And another one that he created was earn all you can honestly. Save all you can wisely. And give all you can prudently. And then he said later in life that those, because he, he had a lot of contemporaries like Andrew Carnegie and, and Rockefellers and others that had been extremely successful, but he, he said that those who've succeeded in the first two but have never experienced the third have missed the greatest joy in life. Yeah, happiness comes from serving others, from giving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I cut you off. You're going to ask a question. No, um, I mean, this is an amazing conversation, and I would love to have you again. Um, but before I wrap up, I, I wanted to kind of um, talk to you a little bit about um, your book. You know, what's the title? How do I get it? Uh, if I want to learn more about you, you know, where do I oh, go? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, the book is called Flip Your Focus. Igniting People, Profits, and Performance Through Upside-Down Leadership. It should be available on Amazon this month, month of April 2017. You'll also, if you go to this website, Flip Your Focus Book, all one word, dot com, uh, that website will have some tools and um, extra thank yous for buying the book as well as information about where you can get it. And then if you want to learn more about me, probably the best place to go is my website, which is spielconsulting.com. And that's all one word, spiel, S is in Sam, P is in Paul, I-E-L, consulting.com. So it's spielconsulting.com and then it's flipyourfocusbook.com. Book.com, yeah. Flipyourfocusbook.com, yeah. Your phone yeah. number, is that going to be on your website or how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, probably the best would be my email address, which is bob at spielconsulting.com. And then if, if somebody really wants to reach out through phone, they can reach me at 208 520 Yeah, 6900. Yeah. But the best method is by email, which is bob at spielconsulting.com. Spielconsulting yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you talk to clients? You know, if, let's say if I'm a dentist and I need some help, like, would I be able to kind of set up a call and talk to you? How, how does that work? Sure. The email, set up a time. With the book launching now, one of one of my goals is to create a mastermind group. I, I've got a waiting list for actual practice management con- clients, but I also know that so many of these ideas, Naren, come and it's like they they hit us right, but now we go, okay, what do I do next? So we're going to be creating a mastermind group with you know myself and other speakers to be able to begin to step dentists in particular through this model Um, and I'm really passionate about it with dentists especially because I believe that this is one of the most important things that they need to integrate into their practices in order to compete effectively um, 
as private practice doctors that own their own businesses and are able to deliver the highest level of quality and service possible. And so I'll be setting that up this summer to be able to work on a one-to-many basis to begin to help doctors work through these on a very economic basis. Um, but I'd also love anybody that has listened to this and like to reach out, have a nice half-hour conversation and, and describe what's going on and what, uh, what I'd recommend, I'd welcome that in a heartbeat. Amazing. So they can just uh, call you at no, no cost just to kind of explain their situation and yep. see if, if you can mm -hmm. help them. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. And the mastermind group, when would you have more information on that? Would that be something that uh, you'll be publishing or is that something that they could email you and they can tell them more about it? It'll be both. I'll, I'll, I'll publish that on, on the, on the flipyourfocusbook.com site itself okay. uh, as that's forming. All right. But they can also reach out to me as well. Right. And the idea would be you would get together with these people. Is it going to be live or is it going to be virtual or both? I think both. It's it's most effective. I found that if you can have a group in like a, a video conference room together, right. Uh, all right, where you can see each other and and you've got somebody who's presenting, others that are listening, asking questions, then you can record that as well for future use or for people who weren't able to be on. But I'd I'd love to be able to to help. Uh, especially emerging doctors, doctors who are just jumping out of corporate dentistry or doctors who bought new practices or doctors that have been at it for five years and are suddenly going, oh, man, there's got to be another way to begin to really transform their practices and their lives. Is so that, that why you got can... the name Mr. Turnaround? Pardon? Oh, <laughs> oh that's a good question. Um, that was more of a financial turnaround. All right. Um, I, I've, I've turned around some really tough situations in my past. Um, teams that were going south quickly, businesses that were near bankruptcy or just or, or had literally should have declared bankruptcy but didn't, and then using these uh, this mindset in particular, and then some of the tools and things I learned as an MBA to just begin to turn it around and, and help a business become successful and reach its mission. Um, right. With doctors, same idea. How do you help them create the turnarounds and the breakthroughs that they need in order to finally achieve their mission, um, which often is to be the greatest healer that, that they can be and the greatest coach that they know. I'm having so much fun today. Thank you very much, uh, Bob, for taking the time today and uh, you know talking to our listeners about your new book and you know a lot of things you learned. I guess over a 30-year period now that you have distilled in this book, flip your focus. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation and um, thank you very much for taking the time. You bet, Naren. My pleasure and thank you. Great, great to be able to visit with you. you you're doing a great work. Thank you very much. Yes, I enjoyed it. 
once again everyone thank you for listening to another great episode of growing dentist and uh, your guest today is mr spiel and you can learn more about him on his website spielconsulting.com or by emailing bob at spielconsulting.com or going to the new website flipyourfocusbook.com thank you